Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. Farming is about preparing for or reacting to the weather which is thrown at us from year to year. This year it seems the notion of weather coming in larger blocks seems to be ringing through. From the start of the year it was either too dry for long periods or now very wet. And October was very wet, with Dublin recording 123% more rainfall than normal, with Moor Park and Cork recording over 200%. November has continued in the same vein, with scarcely a dry day yet. This has delayed planting in many areas past the ideal time, and subsequently quite a number of crops were planted into wetter and colder soils. Crops were slower to emerge and the torrential rain over the past couple of weeks has left standing water in many fields, resulting in significant damage. Due to the wet conditions, soil pests such as leather jackets and slugs in particular are more problematic in many fields. Assessing populations and control can be tricky, especially when conditions continue to be very wet. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Kieran Collins, a tillage specialist in Chagas, to talk about the best options for crops which are at risk from these pests. Kieran has been very wet over the past month or month and a half, and this has been particularly hard on crops. How are crops in general faring, and especially the crops that have been sown about three weeks ago? Yeah, Michael, I suppose, firstly, there hasn't been a huge amount of sowing going on. As you mentioned, it's just for the last month, month and a half, it's been it's been quite wet. Now, there has been little bits gone in here and there. And I suppose those crops generally have suffered um, in terms of the rainfall after. Obviously, rolling wouldn't have been done because it wouldn't have been suitable. But there certainly are bits of missing patches in fields, you know. Now, look, the earlier sown are, are generally fine. But I think it's those more recent ones that we're seeing bits of crop damage, wet spots or where water was lying in fields for a prolonged period of time really and I suppose we are seeing maybe just little bits of slug damage cropping up here and there as well. Okay we might get on to that in a second but just in terms of the of the waterlogging that you mentioned there kind of in the wet spots is there also a factor in terms of ground cooling down a bit as it would generally happen this time of the year? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're the 17th of November today. I mean, if you were sowing, say, three, four weeks ago, you obviously had very warm, very high soil temperatures. You were getting rapid establishment. I mean, some of the crops were up in, 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 in 10, 14 days, whereas, you know, crops more recently sown obviously are, are taking that bit longer with, with cooler soils. Interestingly, though, um, the mid-air and data would still indicate that soil temperatures from the 9th to the 15th of November are actually still above normal. So I suppose that is that is some help. But I suppose the other side of it then is when you look at, at soil moisture deficits or, or the lack of it, obviously, at this stage, well-drained soils, even well-drained soils are at field capacity at this stage. So I suppose that's just giving us an indication of the impact that the rainfall has had recently. So there probably is a bit of an interaction there, Kieran, around the slightly, even though soils are slightly warmer on, on average for the time of year, they're still cooler than it would have been maybe a month ago and then you put the wet or really wet conditions now on top of that it probably does delay emergence that little bit more does it and does that give you mentioned slugs soil soil pests and that a little bit more of an advantage oh of course it does yeah yeah you know what we're trying to do is get crops crops established and away from any pest problems really and obviously the longer that duration is the more chance it does give give pests like and i mean if if conditions were suitable and you were sowing today you could expect that crop to take between four and six weeks to emerge you know so i suppose that's the that's the big difference really and you know i suppose you know you're getting into more difficult seed beds at this time of year you're going to more clods you know which obviously favors pests 
tests again and you wouldn't be able to roll generally this time of year. So, you know, sewing from now on is certainly going to be very, very difficult and challenging. Okay. And I suppose just along in terms of, you mentioned slugs earlier, um, have you heard much problems out there of slugs or slug damage? Um, I think it's more localised issues. Um, we're certainly seeing, as I said earlier, those those earlier crops have been, been up and away, but certainly crops where, or fields, I should say, where there's been a, a previous history of slugs would be certainly one heavier or, or more later so on. They're, they're generally the ones that, that you're finding problems in, I would say, overall. It's a small proportion of crops, but it's significant for those that have it. And I suppose we are seeing... You know, I suppose there's kind of almost three types of slug damage. You'll see the classic, you know, the shredding of the leaves over ground, which is very easily to identify. And then, you know, sometimes, especially those later sown crops, you're finding, you know, the crop didn't emerge. And when you root, you can find actually a hollowed out seed. But a quite common one just more recently is almost like leather jacket type symptoms where you're you're finding these these yellow leaves. Uh, and when you when you pull them up, They've actually been grazed below the surface and, you know, we've identified slugs in a lot of those cases as well. So there's sort of three types of damage, really, that we're looking at at the minute. Yeah. And all of those three can be pretty significant. And I suppose to add maybe a little bit to your um, in the scenarios where, you know, if slugs have been a problem in the past in your field, but they probably can prop, crop up here and now, uh, here and there as well. In a situation, of, I've talked to some people locally there, um, where uh, there was oilseed rape and and maybe the sowing was delayed a little bit. That's, that's certainly a, a place where where slugs can be a bigger factor. And I've often I've, I've heard not just last not just this year but last year as well, where um, uh, oats where the straw from oats uh, from last year was chopped in seems to be more slugs in those conditions as well. Yeah, there are certainly risk factors. There's no doubt. And then when you put delayed sowing on top of that and the weather we've had recently, you can end up with a with a fair problem. And tell me, how does a farmer, what's the best way a farmer can go about uh, assessing the slug numbers? Or is there, when you maybe take into those risk factors, is there a time somebody should be kind of saying, geez, I better start having a look to see rather than kind of waiting for the four to six weeks and then scratching the head kind of thinking, still no sign of that crop there. Maybe I should do something. Mm, I know I'm going to be like a broken record here, Michael, but every time I come on, I seem to end up with the same suggestion and that's what crops get into the crops. Have a look. There's no substitute, you know, and you can, you can see a crop from the road and you can think, oh, look, it's coming up fine. But when you actually get into it, it's when you can really, really assess, you know? So I think, you know, we should get out into all crops regularly at this time of year, you know, um, and assess pest damage in general. Um, like slugs are nocturnal, so you know they're gonna they're gonna work at night. So if you suspect a problem in the field, like you said there, Michael, after maybe chopped straw or or oilseed raping a previous crop or a bit of history, you know, set up um, you know, uh, some 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 slug traps. And, um, and 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 try and assess the population there. So if someone's setting up a slope trap, it's it's quite simple. Look, uh, an upturned um, plant pot uh, saucer is ideal, or even a slate, just maybe slightly raised off the ground, covering about maybe 25, 30 centimeter of of a diameter. Uh, put a bait in there. Chicken layers, mash, muesli works quite well. Uh, don't use slope pellets, I suppose, really. Um, and I suppose the, the key thing is then lay them out in a maybe a W format across the field like you would if you were if you were soil sampling um, and then 
put them out maybe during the day and then check them in the morning before the sun gets down on it because they tend to, you know, the heat from the sun, if they're in the trap, it, it tends to put them back down underground because they're nocturnal. So again, maybe get out early in the morning and and then check and, and just see what, what kind of numbers you have. So, you know, the threshold that you'd have, say, for cereals would be four per trap. That's four on average, you know. So you'll obviously get parts of the field that you might get higher or lower, but four on average would be the threshold where you might say, okay, I need to treat at this stage. Okay. And when you talk about treat, treatment with slug pellets, what's the options for slug pellets out there? Um, I suppose there's, there, there's two options in, in, in terms of slug pellets. We have the metaldehyde formulations and we have uh, ferric phosphate. So they're the, I suppose, the two main active ingredients. They're, they're wheat flour or pasta base. Now, there are I suppose differences in in the processes and in in how they're formulated. There's wet and dry process. There's a steam process. There's a wet extrusion process. So, um, you know, th- there are differences between between slug pellets certainly. Um, and just the other one that that we're talking about slug pellets in application um, is to be just aware of buffer zones. You know, uh, and especially you know if near any water courses or or drains or that you know where where physically putting them down with a with an applicator they will go quite a distance um and i suppose as well we we generally don't have slug problems on headlands because you know the ground tends to be that little bit tighter and if there is no damage on those headlands just keep out skip the headland and just make i suppose just to make sure really that we um you know that we that we don't get physical contact or slug pellets getting into into water courses yeah and in terms of you, you mentioned the two, the metaldehyde and ferric phosphate. Is there, from a scientific point of view, is there much of a difference? Are they in around the same, or where would you assess them? Yeah, the the research would suggest that there's no difference uh, between ferric phosphate or the metaldehyde in terms of of controlling slugs. There's a good bit of work done in the UK, and and it would suggest that there's no difference. I suppose farmer perception is a different thing, though, because with the metaldehyde products uh the slugs tend to die on the surface so when i when a farmer spreads slug pellets today you you'll see the dead ones on the surface and that's evidence obviously that it has worked uh, with the ferric phosphate they tend to go underground to die so you use your ferric phosphate and and you don't see dead slugs on the surface and people might interpret that as being well it didn't work really with ferric phosphate it's the level of feeding or is is, is what we should assess really has the damage stopped and i suppose that's really yeah. the the key one there and i suppose the other point to make just about application as well is is in terms of the rate so if we're looking for control and we've got a, a bad slug problem you need to get up near the full rate recommended rate of the individual products so the research would show that you'd need about 60 pellets per square meter if there if there's a, a bad problem you know so again if you're going to reduce the rate you're reducing the number of baiting points per square meter and you may not um you know get 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 adequate adequate control so the number of baiting points is crucial if you've got a bad problem you know it's better to do the full rate once rather than a half rate twice almost in some scenarios because you know you need that you need that 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 high level of baiting points i think mm-hmm. around 60 or that and is there any effects then of the weather after application in terms of your know, rainfall or getting too dry or or what's the best conditions for those pellets to work and 
I suppose on the other side of it, what's the worst conditions where they mightn't last that long? Rain, yeah, they will break down quite quickly. Uh, the metaldehyde breaks down into CO2 and H2O in, in, in a few very short steps. So I suppose, again, if you're planning to put them out, have a look at the forecast. You, you'd ideally need maybe 48 hours dry because they do break down. Um, you know, the hardness of the pellet, obviously, is 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 an important factor in the in the accurate distribution. But also the, 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 the process and how the pellet was formulated can influence as well how quickly it breaks down. But Certainly, wet weather will be the biggest factor. So, you know, I would avoid, obviously avoid putting them out if there's rain, rainfall in the forecast. And if there is a heavy uh, in, infestation and you are going out with this full rate and, and let's just say you, you stuck it on on a Monday, you got this 48 hours and you thought, geez, that's a great uh, job done. What's the process just in terms of going back again, or do you need to go back, or do you kind of think that's 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 finished, or what's the what would the next steps be to make sure that the control is as you wanted the control to be? Yeah, again, it's getting back into the field and having a look. I suppose after three or four days, firstly, you're going to see whether you know if you use the metaldehyde ones, you're going to see the the the, the level of, of of slugs that you've controlled, and then it's coming back and sees that damage continuing. And I suppose, unfortunately, our experience in recent years has been where where we have bad slug problems. You know, sometimes you do need to reapply. Um, as I said, they, they do tend to break down quite quickly, which is which is obviously a factor, you know. But if you do get very high numbers, or, as I say, our experience has been that you, you may need to go back. So assess the crop damage again. Is there fresh damage? Maybe you need to set up traps again and just see or is there is there is there slugs causing damage? And I suppose really the, the uh, critical growth stage is kind of that early tillering growth stage uh, 21. So once the crop gets to that stage, you know, the, 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 the plant stems tend to be a bit thicker. They tend to do less damage there. And, you know, uh, the plant is able to withstand the damage at that stage. Okay, you grow away from it at that stage. I, I suppose maybe on the other side of it then is there slugs are obviously a problem, but there might be the only pest in, in the soils out there. Uh, and if a, if, a, if a farmer is seeing uh, damage to crops out there, but really can't find any slugs, it, it, what other thing out there is likely to be of concern? I suppose slugs will be the main one at this time of year, as you say, Michael. I suppose, look, crows can be obviously a factor and, you know, we can pretty much easily identify crow damage. And I suppose that's obviously after crops are sown is going to be the most likely time there. Um, while leather jackets would normally be, you know, an issue, more of an issue due to their life cycle in the spring, we have seen occasions where leather jackets have been there in the autumn as well. So again, I suppose it's about getting a spade out digging around where the damage is in the field and see, like, is it slugs, is it leather jackets or, or what's causing the problem there? But, you know, slugs will be the number one you, at this time of year normally. You know, crows, obviously, to some extent, and then possibly leather jackets, even though mainly the damage with leather jackets would be in the spring. And any control measures for leather jackets if, if, if there was pockets of them there? Unfortunately not. No, there's 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 there is no chemical control really. You know, leather jackets, it's all about, you know, the IPM measures of, of rolling, you know, rapid crop establishment and that. So it's it's kind of the earlier sowing really is the is the main thing there. Probably a double-edged sword, but uh, get a few crows in a pretty be a great great way of trying to get rid of them if you could at all. <laughs> they'll attract crows anyway, certainly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably probably help. Listen. Kieran, that's great. It probably gets gets through 
to some of the heart of, of, of why some crops are probably struggling out there and maybe not um, getting to the stage where, where farmers would like them. So again, Kieran, thanks very much. And uh, we'd be delighted to have you back again. No problem. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for this week. And my thanks again to Kieran for joining me on the podcast. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.